Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman. Well, welcome back to Hope Through Hard Stuff. My name is Steve Norman, and I'm so glad to have as our guest today, Becky Attard. Becky has been a dear friend of Kelly and mine for coming up on 20 years now. I initially met Becky when she was a group fitness instructor in Southeast Michigan. Uh, she was also group fitness director, so she was my boss for a run. She is a cancer survivor and a member of the Attard Group, a realty group in Southeast Michigan. Becky, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much, Steve. I'm so happy to be here. Becky was so wild when we were talking before the call started. We've been like running each other's circles for coming up on 20 years now, which is just sounds like it's really wild to think about. 20 years. So you actually remember you knew Fred before you knew me, right? Yeah. Because you started teaching at Lifetime together and then I came along. But yeah, it's been two decades plus, which is wild. So one of the things I love about you and Fred is that you have both been people who have inspired me to be somebody who can say, I need help if I'm stuck. So there was a time, I think there was like 15 years ago when I didn't know what was happening, but I was working out at the club where you and I taught, I was getting ready to teach a class and my lung literally collapsed and I'm sitting there in the locker room. I have no idea what's going on. And Fred comes in, he goes, are you okay? And I was like, I'm going to be fine. And I go, give me five minutes. If I'm not fine in five minutes, you can call for help. And the thing I love about Fred is he waited for two minutes and then he called an ambulance. So I love, <laughs> and, and I ended up being fine. But what I love about Fred is he's just looking out for you, right? And he says, if you're in trouble, just say so. And then you can get the help that you need. So I totally forgot about your lung collapsing. <laughs> like that's that was just a wild thing that happened. My goodness. Um, yeah. But you, so you've had some wild things that have happened too. So you have had a journey with breast cancer and it seems like the longer I live, the more I run into people who have been affected by this issue, whether it's directly or indirectly tell, tell our audience a bit about your journey and how this just threw you for a major curveball. Yeah. So one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer at some point in their life. One in eight. And the funny thing is, is you, you talking about your, your lung collapsing, like one day at the gym, that's how I felt when my tumor showed up. So go back to March of 2020. And that is when COVID was sweeping the planet. My, at that time I was working full-time in the fitness industry. Fred was full-time in the restaurant industry. So restaurants and fitness, I mean, we were home. We were on lockdown, home with our kids, attempting to homeschool. So March, April, and then May came. And I was in the shower. And all of a sudden, I felt this very large, hard lump protruding from my chest. And it's so funny because so many people were like, oh, my gosh, the mammogram showed it. Or you know, how did you find it? And I was like, you guys, you don't understand. Have you ever woke up in the morning and you all of a sudden have a huge zit on your face? And you're like, wait, that wasn't there yesterday. That was my tumor. It came out of nowhere. So a couple of weeks went by and I was like, you know what, this is, and, and I remember showing Fred and Fred was like, you know, just, just wait a couple of days, see what happens. And and then I was working out and I was like, wait a minute. Like I, I, I initially thought like I ripped my chest muscle somehow. I was doing push-ups, and I was like, if I rip my chest muscle, 
or damaged myself in some way, I wouldn't be able to do these push-ups. And that's when I made the appointment and went in and went in, they did an ultrasound mammogram and they wanted to biopsy me right then. And, and mind you, this was June of 2020. So Fred was not allowed to come with me. Right. I mean, this was like COVID like panic, right. You weren't allowed to take anybody with you to the doctor. And they're like, we need to biopsy you. And I remember sitting on the table and I physically like couldn't speak. Like I like was paralyzed when the doctor came in. Cause I could tell I in the look of her in the look in her eye. And I was, I was like, you guys, I, I need, I need a couple days to process this. And they're like, okay, come back in two days. We'll do a biopsy. And I ran out of the the doctors ripped my mask off. Right. And I was like, just hysterical. And I called Fred and I called my sister and I was, I was driving on the way home and I called my sister and I was like, almost like screaming, you know, I almost had to pull over because I was crying so hard. And I was like, Beth, it's bad. You know, I could tell, I could tell the, the look in the doctor's eye. Like, I, I know that it, this is bad. And my sister very calmly she said, Becky, Becky, stop. She said, you have to understand the Bible is very clear that in this world, we will have trouble. Leave it to my sister, right? To tell me the truth. And I, and that was like one of the first like big things of like acceptance, right? Of like, okay, this is real. And you, Steve, you've talked about it in some of your sermons, like trouble, like it's not a joke it's, it's written right there. It's very true. And we will have trouble. And so from there, obviously did the biopsy, got the call on June 23rd, you know, you, you, you know, you have breast cancer and then you go on the attack, right? The gene test, the setting up the appointment with the plastic surgeon, doing the MRI and the day of the MRI went in and the nurses could probably tell I was very nervous nervous for the whole thing, but I was nervous because right in an MRI, you're like in this like tube and you can't move. And so I'm face down. And when you're face down in the breast MRI, there's a mirror. And what you, you, so you look down at the mirror and it allows you to look out in the room to like help with claustrophobia. And the nurse (laughs) could see that I was freaking out. And she actually stayed with me in the room and she held my hand, believe it or not. And she like leaned over the table, like to hold my hand and she had a necklace on and at the end of the necklace was a cross. So the entire 25 minute MRI where you like, can't move, right? Like an inch, like you have to totally be still. I was like freaking out. The only thing that I could see in my vision was a crucifix was a cross that was hanging right in my vision, (laughs) which was amazing. Right. Another week from God along the way. So from the MRI, we got those results and the MRI results was one of my worst days <laughs> because the original diagnosis was, oh, your tumor is like basically the size of a pea. We'll cut it out, do some radiation and, you know, go back to life. And the MRI showed very different. The MRI showed the tumor was about five centimeters, almost five centimeters. And one of my lymph nodes did not look well. So Markers in cancer, you know, if it hits your lymph nodes, that's a huge like red flag, almost five centimeters. That's another big red flag because a a large tumor is considered five centimeters. So from there, we decided to do a double mastectomy and that was August 12th of 2020, did the double mastectomy. Afterward, 
my doctor was like, you know, I want you to mentally start preparing for chemotherapy, which was my biggest fear from day one. Cause I was like, those drugs are going to kill me. Right. So that was August 12th. And then five weeks later, believe it or not, I got an infection and you talk about things coming out of nowhere that came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, one day I got the chills and I lost my appetite. And I was like, this is odd. <laughs> and then my breast started changing colors. Like it looked like an alien. So went to the hospital, was there for a week. And they, <laughs> they gave me such powerful antibiotics that they had to test my blood every single day to make sure that my uh, organs were not shutting down. Because <laughs> I asked I asked the head of infectious disease. I was like, why are you taking my blood every day? Like, I hate needles. She's like, well, we need to make sure your, your organs aren't shutting down. And I was like, awesome. So had another surgery was I, while I was there. So that was surgery number two. And then we moved into chemotherapy. And I got to tell you, I was mentally prepared for chemotherapy, believe it or not. I was like, this is going to be awful. And it was. So went to chemotherapy round two of chemotherapy right before round two, my husband didn't feel good. And I was like, um, <laughs> I'm in the middle of chemotherapy right now and you don't feel good. Right. So I was like, go take a nap. So he went and took a nap, which was odd. I was like, Oh, something's wrong. So got COVID. <laughs> so I'm in the middle of chemotherapy and had COVID at the same time, <laughs> which was awesome. So got through that, came out of that and then went into radiation. And I was not mentally prepared for radiation. I thought it was going to be a breeze and it was awful. Um, the thing that really got me in radiation was I had to hold my breath and holding my breath for me and not being able to breathe is like a big trigger, right? Like I, <laughs> I don't like to feel like I can't breathe or I'm suffocating. So I had this thing in my mouth like think of like a snorkel. So like a thing in my mouth, a clamp on my nose. And I'd hold my breath for 15 seconds, about 15 times each radiation session. So if I just had to like lay there on the table and be like zapped, it would have been okay. But like every radiation session, I was like, I'm going to die. I'm suffocating. And the doctor actually came in after like the third session. He was like, Becky, you're not going to suffocate. I go, but I really feel like I'm going to. <laughs> so radiation ended. And then I had another breast reconstruction surgery, fat graphing, which everyone's fascinated with, where he basically took fat from my stomach and, and pumped it into my breasts, which everyone was like, I'll donate fat to you. <laughs> so that was hilarious. And then after that surgery, um, believe it or not, that was in April of 2021. And then believe it or not, my mom's breast cancer came back in June of 2021. So oh, my no. poor father, like his youngest daughter, like is just finishing up like just this terrible cancer journey. And his wife has breast cancer for the second time in June of 2021. So that was a kind of a big blow. That was a huge setback um, emotionally for me. And then September of 2021 was my final breast surgery. And my mom actually had a single mastectomy in September of 2021. And then it was over. Um, and I can honestly tell you, like, people, people talk about, you know, 
you know, going through hard things. And I can tell you, like, it took everything I had to get through that. And it's funny because so many people tell me, like, I've heard it over and over again. They're like, oh, Becky, you handled it so well. And you blew through that. And, and I'm like, am I a good actress? Like maybe, like maybe I should be an actress because <laughs> it was ugly. You know, I mean, there were so many times I remember after the MRI, Gina, Gina Sven and I, um, who wrote the color of rain and, you know, obviously lost her husband to cancer and her son had cancer. We spoke, it was funny because we got on the phone and we didn't know each other at all. And we just like got right into it. And it was when I had gotten my MRI results. And I remember her just telling me, she was like, Becky, she goes, there's going to be times. She goes, I can tell you have an army of people around you. She goes, but there's going to be times when it's just you and God. And of course she was right, you know? Um, And then she also told me too, she said, Becky, she goes, my son beat stage four brain cancer. She goes, if he can do that, you can do this. And I was like, yes, yes. (laughs) So, but I can tell you, well, two things for 40 years, I always subscribed to you're responsible for everything in your life. Every, you know, everything that you have in your life is basically a result of all the decisions that you've made and all the choices that you've made or whatever. And I can tell you that that is not true. You know, things happen that come out of nowhere, your lung collapsing, you know, tumors showing up, um, whatever, you know, people, people pass away, like life happens and you have to learn to like adjust and adapt. I went to church with my sister a couple of weeks ago and the pastor said, and this hit me hard. He said, everyone thinks, oh, this is plan B for my life. This is plan C for my life. He said, but really the whole time, it's been God's plan A the whole time, you know? And I was thinking, like, when I was thinking about mentally preparing for our talk today, like, I never thought in a million years that I would, you know, go through breast cancer or, you know, as it's all finished, now I'm supporting other women going through cancer. Like, you never, this isn't something that you choose for your life, you know? You know, God chooses people and just accepting that, like, okay, this is, this is, this is the path that God has led me down. And, um, and there's been so many blessings along the way as well. So, okay. Tears are coming. (laughs) Becky, just thank you so much for your candor and being willing to share your story. I think that having worked in the fitness industry for so long, I can, I can see how, and again, like I was, I was doing it part-time, like full confession. I was just doing it for the free membership and I'm not sure that I was great at it, but you're right in that when you're running those circles, sometimes you, you do fall prey to a way of thinking that says, if I eat right. And if I do five cardio and three strength sessions every week, bad things won't happen to me. And no, nobody says that out loud, but it's kind of like this underlying mentality that says, like, if I take care of my body, my body will take care of me. And the truth is, like, we're not in control. No. Like, yes, there, there are variables that we can control. Yes, we should all be pushing towards a healthy life, but we're not. I think that when you get when you get thrown for a loop like you did, you we're reminded of two things that, A, we're, we don't get to control what happens in the world. We don't always get to control what happens to our bodies. No. And, and, and B... Um, just because we live in a broken world doesn't mean that God can't or won't be faithful to us. 
And when you talk about God's plan, a, like, I don't, I don't believe that God sends people cancer. I believe that for some reason, God allows people to be touched by cancer or other tragedies. I was talking to a group like right before, right before all this happened to you, I was talking to a group of college students about like, how, how does God function when it comes to healing? And and we talked about a couple different ideas. We, some people think, well, I got sick because something's wrong with God, or I got sick because something is wrong with me. And I prescribe to the view that says like, no, we get, we get afflicted by, by cancer or other ailments, not because something's wrong with God or not necessarily because something is wrong with us or not because we're being punished, but just because we live in a broken world. And I love the fact that you said, Hey, yeah, we will face trouble. Jesus said it in John 16, like in this world, you will have trouble. I I think that's the the understatement of the whole Bible, right? Because we're like, yep, yep. I have trouble. I have trouble every day in different degrees and in different ways. But the next part of that verse is says, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Yes. And that's the, that like, I have to hang on to both parts of those, right? Because if I only hang on to the first part that I will have trouble, then life gets overwhelming because you're like, oh, it's hard. I guess part of it is supposed to be hard. It will always be hard. And that's really scary. But then the other part is like, oh, but take courage. He has overcome the world. Like God is bigger than cancer and he's bigger than death and he's bigger than debt and he's bigger than despair. And that's what I have to, I, I have to white knuckle that. And I love the fact that Gina said that there are moments where it's just going to be you and God oh. talk, talk about other spaces where you feel like God showed up, Becky, because I think some of our friends who are listening today are, are in the early stages of it. They're right in the middle of it. One of my favorite things that happened is I was in the middle of radiation and my sister gave me a card and the card was, it said some really great things, but my sister wrote the verse down, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, Romans, right? And I was like, thank you, lovely card, right? Two days later at night, jump on Instagram. What's the verse that pops up, right? Cause I follow different like spiritual things on Instagram. The first thing that pops up staring me in the face, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I was like, Oh, coincidence, right? That's the verse that my sister gave me like the next day driving into radiation. Now you can't be late for radiation. Like I am queen of being late. And they're like, you can't be late because it pushes everyone back. I was like, okay, okay, okay. So I was really good about being on time. I'm pulling into radiation. It's like two minutes before I have to walk in the door. My friend calls and I'm like, ah, I I, I don't have time to take this call. You know what? I'm just going to tell her hi. And then I got to run. So I answer the phone. I go, Hey, Whitney, how are you? She goes, Hey, I said, I don't have time to talk. She goes, listen, I was at a Bible study last night. She goes, and a verse came up and I wanted to give you that verse. I was like, okay, what is it? She said, be joyful in hope, patient in, aff- in affliction, faithful in prayer. And I just died because I was like, that verse was given to me three times in a matter of like three or four days. So, and, and that's one thing that I've learned is that when God is speaking to you, he'll like do things with like repetition. Like you'll hear it from the radio, you'll hear it from the TV, you'll hear it from a friend, right? Like the same thing over and over that was huge for me, you know? And I remember like, there were so many times when, you know, you're just at the bottom of the barrel of despair, right. Or pain or whatever. 
And then God shows up and gives you a word or, you know, visually shows you something. I remember when my hair thinned significantly during chemotherapy, I did something called cold cap therapy where I froze my scalp so I wouldn't go bald, but my hair thinned significantly and went to the salon and I got my hair trimmed. And I was really angry. I was really mad because pre-cancer, my hair was very long and very thick and just And I got in the car and I was so mad because my hair was short, you know, like at my shoulders and it was thin and I was pulling out and there was a little boy with his dad, probably my son's age at the time. And you could visually see that he was going through chemotherapy, like, you know, bald and pale and you could see that he was sick. And I was like, you know, that's, that was another thing that carried me through is God always like showed me like, not that it could be worse, but just be grateful, Becky. Like, you have your hair. Yes, it's thin. It will grow back. But look at this little boy who's seven years old. That's obviously sick. Like suck it up, put one foot in front of the other. It's, it's going to be okay. So that was another big thing that happened along the way where God would like show up and like push me through, you know, to like stop feeling sorry for yourself. Right. <laughs> like stop the pity party, like put your big girl pants on. Um, gosh, one of the things too, um, you talk about like, uh, you've always said like, God never wastes your pain. Right. Yeah. Like Steve, the compassion and not that I didn't feel for people before. Cause I'm very emotional. Like I'm very, like, I feel things deeply, but like when you go through like suffering yourself, like when you come out on the other side of it, like the compassion that you feel for people, like people would tell me, Fred and I always say, like, we have like this thing written on our forehead, like, tell me your life problems. Like, I feel like people always talk to Fred and I about things like pre-cancer when people would tell me their, you know, issues or problems or whatever, I'd be like, oh, okay. You know, and now like the compassion and love that you feel for people that are going through hard times. Like, it's just, it's at another level, you know? No, Becky, it's so good to hear you say that because like, if I I look back at the, the, some of the heartache that I've had over the last five years, and they're not things that I ever would have chosen for myself, but you're right. It gives you a whole degree of empathy for people that you wouldn't have had before. And I'm so grateful for you telling your story because I've always been the kind of person. It's just like, Oh, your life is hard. Guess what? So is everybody else's boo hoo, like get, get over it. And I think that sometimes again, not to, not to, not to blame all of this on the lives that we lived in the studio, but people don't, people don't hire fitness instructors for their empathy, they hire them for their motivation. Right. And so when, like, when, when your day job is to inspire people, what do we tell them? We tell them 80 times in 60 minutes, you can do hard things like turn it up a notch, dig deeper, you know, find your why. And the truth is that that can be helpful for fitness. It's not always helpful for life's great heartaches. (laughs) Right. 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 No, I know. I know. Um, and just some other things that happened, uh, you know, Lizbeth Murphy. Yeah. So Lizbeth's a fitness instructor and she was during COVID teaching some outdoor boot camp classes. And she called me up one day and she said, a lady came up to her after class and said, she said, I hear you're, you know, Becky Attard very well. 
She said, I've been receiving prayer chains and prayer requests for her to help her through, you know, through breast cancer. Can you, you know, I hear that you're friends with her. Can you tell me about her and who she is? So someone started prayer chains for me and it got back to Lisbeth and this woman didn't even know me. So see, there was so many times that like things like that would come up. Oh, here's another one. Fred and I have been married for 20 years. Well, almost 20 years. And I got to tell you, like, when you're, you know, we talk about like, you read the Bible, you're like, oh yeah, we'll have trouble in this world. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like kind of the same thing with your marriage vows, right? Like, you know, you're so young when you get married and you're like, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, for sickness in your in health. You're like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then like, when you really have to like live that, right? Like in sickness and in health, like Fred, Fred carried our family for 18 months, right? While I was like floundering through surgeries and through treatment. But like to have your husband and like watch your spouse, like take care of you. Like, I just, like, that was another huge blessing. You know, you know, like when I got home from my surgery, he had to give me showers you know, and it's just crazy stuff, you know, that was another huge blessing that came out of everything. And I didn't realize this would be so emotional. (laughs) Well, you, you've, you've been through a really very intense season and we're, we're having this conversation now coming up on the, on the fall, on the two-year anniversary of your surgery. How does it, what would you tell March of 2020, Becky, today so Saturday night Fred and I were watching Rocky 4 which is one of my favorite movies seen it a thousand times have you, you've seen it right I don't know that I have I've lost track of the Rockies Becky Steve Rocky 4 is when he when he fights the Russian Drago okay yep yep all right so we're watching Rocky Four. It's like midnight, right? And I'm like, why am I up right now watching this movie that I've seen a hundred times? So Rocky's trainer comes up and he starts talking to him and he says, this was prior to the fight with Drago. And he said, listen, he goes, you're going to have to go through something that's going to be worse than any nightmare that you've ever dreamed. <laughs> But in the end, I know you're going to be the one standing. And I heard, and I watched that and I was like, oh, cause I had this podcast in the back of my mind and I knew we were going to talk about that. And like, I think about myself, like there's a picture of me and it's, I used it for another podcast that I did. And there's a picture of me and it was, I had found the tumor and I made the appointment, but I, you know, obviously I didn't know it was cancer. And I'm like, I look at that girl <laughs> in that picture and I'm like oh she's so innocent she has no idea what's coming (laughs) um but I just I would tell myself like it's going to be worse than any nightmare that you could ever dream you know but in the end you know God will carry you through and you're going to be okay on the other side of it like that's such a good word and I think that one of the lines I once heard Gina Spain's husband, Michael Spain say is he goes, sometimes I get nervous when we talk about words like, like fighting cancer. And again, like, I know that that's like a common verbiage because there's some people who 
who don't don't win those battles. And I, I remember hearing a pastor say once, he's like, sometimes the greatest temptation of all is the temptation to drown in despair. And what I love about your your story is, yeah, you've you had an amazing success against cancer, but even more than that, you were winning and are continuing to win a e- even bigger battle, which is a battle against despair, like a battle against hopelessness. And what I'm so grateful for for you, Becky, is your desire to lead other people into hope as well, to be able to say, I know it's hard. I know it's terrifying. Please know that God sees you. And whether it's a nurse's cross or a kid in the parking lot or a a verse on Instagram, God, God is for you. And he's trying, he's trying to elevate you above the, the fear and the anxiety and and the terror. And I love, I loved, it was so inspiring for Kelly and I to watch you and Freddie do that. And I'm so grateful for your willingness to do that for others. Before I let you go, Becky, is there one last word of encouragement that you would say to women or their families who are going for a biopsy or an MRI or their third chemo treatment this week? What, what would you say to them? I read something recently and I'm I'm not recalling where I read it, but the battle belongs to God. The battle is, is his, like we, we need only to be still, right? What verse is that? It's escaping me. Yeah, no, it's in Exodus when the people of Israel are stuck, like they're terrified because they're, they're literally between a rock and a hard place. Like before them is the sea and behind them is the Egyptian army that is charging down to kill them. And the way, and when they're standing in that moment, they're like, whatever happens, we're dead. Either we die by the sword, like we either get killed in combat or we get killed by the water. But today is the last day that we're breathing. And God says, there's a way out that you can't see. I'll fight for you. You need only to be still. Yes, yes, yes. And that's one thing that I really learned through the journey. And I'm continuing to learn every day that you do need only to be still you know, and just like you said, if someone's going into the third round of chemo or going in for a biopsy and there's so much uncertainty and so much unknown and so much anxiety and fear, just know you need only to be still in the battle. The battle is not yours. It's God's. Becky, thank you so much for your words. Uh, Please give my best to Fred and your amazing children. And thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. It means a lot. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.